Shannon came from a zip code that has one of the highest recidivism rates in Texas. He's also been to prison six times for charges stemming from his past drug addiction. When he got out of prison, he had thousands of dollars of fines and surcharges he had to pay off before he could get his license reinstated. And he really didn't even want to come to the halfway house that his parents wanted him to go to. Well, he ended up being a house manager at that house and was one of the stars of the Forgiven Felons documentary. Come on, let's do a background check on Shannon T. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check everyone welcome to background check podcast where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back but it should pay you back as always, this show is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. I am your host, Jay Dan Gum. Welcome once again, whether you're listening from the inside on your tablet or the outside. Thank you for listening and spreading the word about the show. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do background check podcast? What does it mean to make your background pay you back? But what we do is we we try to, to share stories of people who have risen above their background and not try to hide their background and hide their past, uh, but embrace it and not let it, but not let it identify them, but let them use their past as leverage to either advance the kingdom of God through through their testimony, or turn it into something that actually uh, creates revenue for you and your family. I've I've seen people come out of addictions and then start their own recovery center. Now they're being paid because. Of their past, their past is paying them back. Uh, if you write a book about your story, your past is paying you back, not holding you back. Every time you share your testimony, and somebody, somebody's life is is changed or impacted forever, your your background is paying you back, not holding you back. So, it's you know this is what we're all about. We share these stories of people like this, and we share stories of people you know, maybe who are helping other people with backgrounds navigate life and and, and just come out of, of, of their past a better person and helping them share their story. So that's what we do. That's why we do it. And we're having fun. We started it because of COVID. They wouldn't let me go into Texas prisons anymore and share. So we just started this last year, June. So we've been going for a while now. We hit the thousand download months, um, you know, per month right before we start going into the prisons. So we expect that now that it's in the prisons to to go up a little bit too. Thank you guys for listening on the inside, all you who have written. Uh, thank you, guys and gals who have written from prison to let us know that it's impacting their lives. Thank you, thank you. I can't I can't write you all back. I can't contact you all back. We just don't have time, but uh, we might if if you're interested in coming to you know forgiven felons. You know, as a halfway house, uh, we can do that. But so many of you have been writing, and thank you so much. It helps us know that, that you know, the stories are reaching you guys. 
So thanks again. And, um, well, let's get right to – there's no new news with Forgiven Felons going on right now. But um, if you want to know more about what we do at Forgiven Felons, go to ForgivenFelons.org, and uh, you can check us out. So today on the show, we have a guy named Shannon Teague. He he was sentenced to 18 years in prison. I mean, he came from one of the highest zip code uh, recidivism rates in Texas, and he's been to prison six times. And so he's got a great story. Uh, I met his parents about a year and a half before he got out, and uh, his, his dad and stepmom. And um, they're great people. They're amazing people. I thank God for for Walter coming into my life and coming to Trinity Church and and being persistent with trying to get his son there, being persistent with his son, trying to convince him to come there. And because our our lives are rich because of Shannon, uh, he's a he's a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, and this this shows how much he loves me. Um, I made him do our this podcast in my man cave. <laughs> in front of this huge Steeler logo on the wall. And he didn't say a word about it <laughs> until afterwards. Um, that's how great of a friend he is, you know. And, and um, you know, outside the show, we we talk about, uh, we talked about some other things. We could have had a three-hour show with me and Shannon because we've done we've done life together. He just, he just wasn't a resident at the, at the house. We did life together. But uh, one of his... One of his favorite songs was uh, Turn the Page by Bob Seger. We don't talk about it, but I like how his story just unfolds as a page turning, pages turning. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, so anyway, he works for uh, Freedom Heating and Air and with Hector Gomez, who's a forgiven felon himself and you know going to be on the show sooner or later. Anyway, let's get to this interview. Shannon Teague with Freedom Heating and Air. And a former resident and one of the stars, co-stars of, of the Forgiven Felons documentary that hopefully will be uploaded to y'all's tablets pretty soon. If you're already out, you can watch the documentary anytime on Roku or Tubi TV. All right, here's our interview with Shannon. Shannon T. What's up, man? Welcome to Background Check Podcast. Finally. Got here. Man. You know, okay. Now, I've I've been involved in your life for what almost five years or more four four but no no no. i was involved in your life way before you got out of prison you're right five plus your dad was was (laughs) was texting and calling a lot uh more than four years ago so uh but man i'll I'll never forget meeting walter your dad and uh but but you you it's been almost exactly a little over four years since you Set foot forth into our life. You got out July 12th. Exactly. And your birthday was July 10th. And I remember I remember we had third Saturday open house, right? The, the next week you got out right here at our own house, mm-hmm. and we celebrated your birthday and your release from prison. So, well, man, it's an honor. Uh, we haven't had too many guys from the house be a guest on the show. So I, I want to start grabbing some more people and – you were one of the ones. It's your birthday month that you you celebrated four years out, and you got a great story, man. You did things, you did things the right way. You know, you're not perfect like none of us are, but you've you've you buckled down and you you just kept grinding away. You know, and um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what what do you do now? I mean, you've been gone away from the ministry now for what seven eight months. Yeah, so. I'm just continue to live right um, day by day. You know, that's all we can do. We, um, I'm an HVAC installer. You know, 
I got my HVAC license while I was incarcerated this last time. It's really benefited me. Yeah. Um, did you did you already know how to do HVAC before prison, or you just? Yeah, I I dibbled and dabbed in it, but not serious. I got licensed and educated on it. I took a year all long on, class. All on prison, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. Still paying on it, actually. I need to pay it off. <laughs> they they're gonna make sure they get every penny from you. Yes. And yeah. So. A lot of you know a lot of people think that you know uh, medical and schooling and everything else in prison is free. But it ain't, is no, it? Sir. You're here to tell you, you, you're you still paying back on that student prison loan. Huh? <laughs> yeah, already. <laughs> so, um, all right, well, uh, tell us about your job right now, man. For- uh, big shout out to Freedom Heating and Air. That's my um, family over there at Freedom Heating and Air. We serve all your needs. Uh, it's been great. You introduced me to them. Thank you. I talked to him for a couple of years before I made the move over there. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen, man. I, like, connected you. I thought it was just going to happen right then. And it didn't. It just you needed it. You but need, I, I always knew that it was gonna happen. I mean, you needed to keep doing what you were doing at the time, and uh-huh. and he needed to go through whatever they needed to go through to get to the point where mm-hmm. it was just the perfect time for you to for you to come over. Right. COVID. Yeah. COVID laid me off. You yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, got laid off on Friday, and Hector hired me on Monday. Blessing. Wow. Uh, that was a big. You know, I went I went through a roller coaster that weekend, and it was amazing just how God just put his foot right back in the door like he always does freedom heating and air they love our ministry uh we love hector too he's a forgiven felon as well and uh he's gonna uh, i think i've got him talked into coming on the show i think he's gonna come on the show and share yeah. his story so uh pretty good pretty good all right so when you moved out where you live walks hatching okay and was it easy to find a place to live <laughs> absolutely not I felt, uh, I felt like we looked forever. Uh, yeah, I think we looked for 18 months, you know, and I was even, I was to the point I was giving up. I was going to be content where I was, you know, there was nothing wrong where I was, you know, but I knew I had to make that step. And a uh, friend of a friend introduced me. Well, actually, it was my girlfriend. Uh, she, her dad knew somebody and yeah. uh real good firefighter out of Waxahachie. He's given me the chance. And since then, I think he's going to give a couple other yeah. guys a yeah. chance. I've sent him another person. Uh, so. Yes. So that's good. That's awesome. So, you know, when you first got out, man, you didn't really, I mean, what was your home plan? Did you have a home plan in mind? Were you wanting to parole home to your parents? Uh, you know, but I, I know that they weren't really, they were trying to get you in somewhere else. So tell us about that story. Uh, about a year before I got out, um, my maybe it was like a year and a half. I think it was more like a year and a half. My dad told me about forgiving felons, and um, I argued with him for six months. I wanted to go. I wanted to come home. They wanted me to go there, be held accountable. Because you no, hadn't been home in a while, right? You hadn't lived at home for how long? Since I was 13. <laughs> so, I thought, you know, I'd already changed all my ways, and I'd already convinced them that I was going to do something different this time. And uh, So you thought for sure they'd let you go? Oh, yeah, but it wasn't enough, you know. It's like everything else. you gotta, yeah. you got to build back up. you got to earn that trust <laughs> and prove it. I remember when I first met him, he contacted me, and then he, he told me he went to Trinity. And when I asked him how long, he said, oh, uh, I've only been going two weeks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. But they were they were looking for a new church. And mm-hmm. he said the first Sunday they walked in and they saw Forgiven Felons on the board. It was a, it was a, during a time where we were doing a fundraiser and Forgiven Felons yeah, was part. We were part of that fundraiser and for the church. And uh, so that's why our name was up on the wall. And because of that, he's like, I guess we're in the right place. And, and you know, I got to know him pretty well, you know. Um, very concerned parent. He loves you dearly. And I, so I got to know him a lot by phone and text. So when, when they presented the idea with you 
come to forgiving felons? What what went through your mind at first? At first, I thought it would just pass. I thought, you know, I'd, I'd talk them into coming home or I'd find somewhere else to parole to. It, it wasn't in my plans at that time. But within that next year, corresponding with you and filling out the application and everything, uh, praying about it, talking about it with other people, no one's ever heard of you in there. I mean, now they have. But back then, you know, we were, we were small. Still are. But, uh, yeah, when I finally decided to come there, I mean, it was about six months after that. So that – so when did, man, and we'll get into your, your backstory, but when did it all change for you? In your heart, in your mind, when did you decide, I don't want to be this person? Because, I mean, how many, how, many, how many TDC numbers do you have? I have six. You have six. Nine felonies. And that means you've, been, you've gone down and you've been back to prison six times. Yeah, that's just prison. County time, state time is totally different. So, you know, outside of the fact that, there's some politicians and outspoken conservative people that really think that people don't deserve a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chance. How did you even believe in yourself? Like, I mean, how did you like, what, what did you say to Shannon? What did Shannon say to Shannon that this is my, I ain't coming back for a seventh time. Be was t- it spiritual? Was it practical? Uh, was I was going to say Shannon telling Shannon didn't work. I did that <laughs> so many times. It didn't work. Uh, it was, it was actually, the conversation I had with the Lord in my cell, you know, I told him, look here, you know, I'm going to do things different. I need some help. You know, I need you to walk with me. Um, you know how much time you got in your cell. I had more conversations with him that um, I missed that, you know, being locked up. I missed yeah. that relationship and I need to strive more towards that. But um, I could say I I wanted to change the here, there, there every time, you know, my mom died in 07 of a brain tumor, cancer. And I really tried that time, and it didn't work. Uh, but I guess it was the summer of 2012 when I was being transported to, maybe it was 2013 from Hutchins to Ellis Unit. I knew I had to do something different. It was that time in my cell that I told him, if you know, if I did the things I needed to do and get educated in here and start walking the right path and everything, you know, kind of just kind of made a deal with him, and you know, he stuck with me. You know, he loves to make deal with yeah. deals with his children. So. How hard was that for you to, for you to flip a switch? I mean, did all of a sudden, you know, everybody around you was uh, different people, different friends. They were for you. They were pulling for you, against you. How hard was that? In prison, it wasn't it wasn't that really difficult to be in my cell by myself making them decisions. Uh, but once you get it, once you once you made the decision and start trying to live a different life, how that was difficult. Pe- yeah. People are looking at you like, yeah, hey, where's the old, where's the old yeah. Shannon? You know? Right. Yeah. So how talk about that a little bit. How hard was that to, to really stay on the, 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 the straight and narrow when you know you have these guys over here saying, come on, man, let's do this? I can't say I stayed on the straight, straight and narrow, but I did start doing a lot of things different. You know, uh, the people I was hanging around with, the way I was talking, the way I was communicating with people, uh, even the way I was holding myself, the way I walked, the way I talked, you know, it was yeah. all the little things. And uh, peer pressure's hard in there. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Man, it took me four months when I came out of SEG. It took me four months because God said, "All right, I'm, I've delivered you from your alcohol and your cigarettes. I want you to work on your cussing and your gambling." And I mean that—I mean that's the currency and the language of prison is right. cussing and gambling. Right. And so it took me about four months, man. I mean, I—I I slipped up. I don't know how many times. Yeah. Um. So, so you get out, and you come to forgiven felons. What'd you think? 
when I walked in, when I walked in the door, it was, I mean, first of all, it's just a gorgeous place. I mean, that place is nicer than your house here now, I think. <laughs> yeah, I <agree>. You're making some <laughs> it's renovations. Bigger. It's yeah, bigger. It's bigger. But uh, when I stepped in there and um, I walked in the door with my mom and dad and God's presence, I mean, just the pictures on the wall, the atmosphere, everything, I just knew I was in the right place. Uh, I was telling myself that. God was telling me that. My parents were telling me that. And I soon met you, and I knew for a fact that's where I needed to be. You know, one of the things I liked about you is, is um, you know, you you asked me pretty quick about, about being a house manager. You know, and obviously you didn't qualify at that point, you know, because you had to be there, you know, at least six months. That Those were the guidelines back then. And, you know, and you had already went through, uh, in that short period of time, uh, a youngster came through there who ended up doing drugs at the house, and you knew about it. And you admitted to me after we had to kick him out, you admitted to me that you, you knew he was doing it, you know, and, and that was one thing that I told you that, you know, if you're going to be a house manager for me, you got to learn to hold people accountable. How hard is that coming from doing all that time in prison? And now you're trying to do the right thing, live a biblical life, which is, is kind of a life of high accountability, you know, holding people accountable, holding each other, the brothers of the Lord accountable. How hard was that for you to, to, to kind of try to get that through your skull, your head, your brain, wrap your head around it. How hard was that for you? Well, you always told us, you know, take the word snitching out of your vocabulary. You got to hold each other accountable. And it took, it took probably the first six months for me to, re- you know, get that out of the system coming out of yeah. prison. I was yeah. like, nah, I'm snitching. I can't go tell. But I did try to talk to the youngster. You know, I, I was doing everything in my power on my side, which I should have brought it to you, but I didn't. Anyway, there was other di- incidents later that were even more difficult, but I had made myself stronger in the beginning right. when I told myself, hey, look, you're going to hold these guys accountable because not only they're going to benefit, you're going to benefit, we're all going to benefit, we're all going to grow. And, uh, yeah, it got easier with time. I mean, you know, I, and, and one of the things I liked about you is that I, I, I told you what you needed to do to become a leader in the house, and you, and you did it all. Now, you had some other challenges coming out of prison, you know, you couldn't get your license until you got all these fines and surcharges paid off. I don't know if you even want to tell everybody like a total amount of how much you had to pay off. Well, it wasn't just the surcharges. It was certain cities that wouldn't let you set out your fines. I had to go pay cash. And then since then, they've done away with surcharges. So you guys really ain't got that to worry no, about. No, they coming don't. Out. They don't. But that first year, yeah, it was real difficult, man. It seemed like every time I was trying to save some money, uh, you know, I was paying surcharge and another one would pop out and I'd go, you know, uh, give a consent of guilt or something in a city. And then three weeks later, surcharges popped up on that. So it was like I was just beating my head up against the wall. It seemed like it seemed like there was a point where you you said you think you're done. And then it was about another six or eight months of you like every once in a while, every month or two saying another one popped up, another one popped up. And it just kept delaying the inevitable and then what? A couple of years later, or more? Three, three or four years later, or more? Just recently, the last couple of years, I think, is when they they did away yeah, with all that. It's been a and couple so, of years now. You know, it's crazy how how much more how much could you have used that money for something else other than paying off all those fines? But during that lesson, I mean, God God has a strange way of doing things. But I was on that dart bus, you know, four four thirty in the morning. I was leaving the house, and I didn't get home till eight thirty at night. You know, I rode that dart bus you know, solid for a solid year. I told all the guys at the house, they always wanted to ride here, ride there. Hey, look, go right down there to Forest Lane, get on the so-and-so yep. bus and take yourself to work, build your money, pay your fines. So after a while, though, you didn't have to ride Dart anymore because – 
Uh, let's see what what transpired. The documentary, right? You are one of the stars of the Forgiven Felons documentary, and Jesus is the star. We're all the co-stars. Uh, but in that in the Forgiven Felons documentary, we tell we tell your story. Um, but I get a call from the producer one day. Rob Price. Yeah, Rob Price, uh, Sagu, Sagu Cinema. Love you, man. And he says, he says, hey, I'm thinking about just giving this car to Shannon. My, my car, we're getting a new one and everything. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I was, I was so excited for you. And um, talk about that. Whenever he, whenever I, I forget even how the, he he gave it to you. Now, well, I was right at the end of the surcharges, and I had the money. Um, I think I had the money I was going to, you know, buy a car. I had like, I think I was telling him that. I was yeah. telling him, like, I don't even think he has his license yet because he's still paying yeah. stuff he off. He actually gave me the truck, and it sat in the driveway for two weeks as I changed the tags and inspection and all that stuff and got my license and insurance. I was still riding the bus with it parked in the driveway. Yeah. Now, how uh, long did you drive that car? A uh, little over two years. A little wow. over maybe maybe even a little bit longer than that the thing was good to me and I mean, it already had how much Two hundred eighty thousand miles on when it, he gave it, it to you it had about 227 it had about 280 when i gave it okay passed it forward and then you know you you created job stability um for yourself at a rug company and then you finally got an opening in a hvac which is what you really wanted to do it was um, all about the driver's license i needed it to get right you know yeah so you know, some of these people don't want to work at a job unless it's a specific job, you know? Ten fifty an hour. So, I started unloading rugs out of the so, back of a so truck. Talk, let's talk about that. Why 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 is it important? Why was it important for you to take a job you really didn't even want, probably? <laughs> but especially after the first couple of days. But it was you know, it was just a means to an end to get you through to, you know, to like you said, to get your driver's license. But you have a you had a discipline that a lot of people getting out of prison didn't have. And that was your ability to save money. You saved money like, like crazy, you know, and I guess cause you didn't have a car, you couldn't go anywhere to spend it. So right. I guess that's why yeah. you, you did it so easy. I remember every once in a while you come to me and go, Hey, I got such and such saved up. I'm like, dang, yeah. you know, um, you know, and, and of course you had some motivation of why you were saving it up. And I don't know if that ever came to fruition anyway, but at the same time you were disciplined. And you had you, you, I loved watching you grow as a house manager. What did that mean to you? And what did you learn about your time at Forgiven Felons, especially being a house manager? At first, I thought the guys would, you know, not take me in as a leader. You know, uh, I'm a friendly kind of guy. You know, to a certain point, you know, until I got to hold you accountable, and then I get pretty rude with you. But uh, at first, it was. I liked it. I liked the attention a little bit. Um, I liked to hold them accountable. I liked them coming to me with problems. Felt like I could help them solve them. You uh, like the fishing trips, ranger games? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the fishing trip and ranger game. <laughs> I, like yeah. the fellow, I like the fellowship with my house of managers. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Caught plenty of fish. Watched plenty of games. Uh, but I guess after, after a certain while, I started – I felt like I started growing in a different way as a leadership. You pushed me. Uh, shout out to Mike Pugh. I love you, man. Uh, you're a mentor. Uh, he pushed me. You pushed me. Uh, we learned the word together. We did Bible studies together. We learned leaderships together. We had, you know, manager meetings. I mean, we learned how to, we, we went through some things and, uh, I learned a lot from that. Still to this day, I use it every morning, you know, just in my little old Bible study every morning. You told me a little prayer, you know, 
just ask God to help you understand the word and and help him you understand it and what he's asking out of you for it and uh something I pray for every morning before I read my little old Bibles, you know, and it helps. That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay, you're doing good. You're doing great. Mom and dad's great. Everybody's great. But it hadn't always been this great, <laughs> you know. Um, if it was always this great, we wouldn't be having this podcast and talking to you right. about your story. So now, now we're going to do what this podcast is all about. We're going to do a background check. <laughs> we're going to dig into your background and see um, and talk about, you know, talk about your childhood. What was what was growing up like in the Teague household? Well, not much in the Teague household. Uh, my mom and dad separated when I was a couple of years old. Um, my childhood didn't last very long. Uh, my mom was abused by all her husbands and stuff, so I, I learned how to be a grown man at, you know, early age, getting men off my mom. Um, got in a little trouble, had to move to the Teague house, to my dad's house. Probably when I was about 12, which they got the house in Duncanville that they got today because I moved there. That didn't last a little over a year, and uh, <clears throat> that's where all my troubles began. I, I You know, any 13-year-old, first-year first teenager, you're right, they're wrong. They ain't telling me nothing. I can do all this on my own. Out the back door, over the back fence. That was that was, that was the now, open it, gate right there. Now, uh, now, at that point, had you tried any alcohol, drugs? At that point, no. It was just, you know, mainly I think the worst I ever did was smoke some cigarettes at the putt-putt down the street. You okay. know, and that's I always said, you know, cigarettes and weed is a gateway to any kind of drug addiction. So you leave the house at how old, 13? 13 years old. Where do you go? Well, um, I went to the end of the street, and my one of my best friends at the time – Thought he was my best friend. Got me in a lot more trouble. <clears throat> we weren't good together. But uh, just here, there, everywhere, uh, I can't even really think until I got my apartment at the age of 17. Uh, from 13 to 17, I, you all know. All blur. Just all the blur. I lived at people's house, in and out of houses. Uh, is, that, is that when you start doing drugs or alcohol or anything stronger than the cigarettes? Well, Right out, right out of there, you know. I went, you know, with my best friend. He smoked pot and he drank a little bit, and then the acid came, and then the cocaine came, and then, of course, my drug of choice of meth came, and it was all she wrote for the next twenty-five years. So, did you finish high school? No, I did in prison. I got yeah. my GED. Congratulations! And I went to college. Yeah, that's awesome. When was the first time you had a brush with the law as far as being arrested? Uh I was actually on juvenile probation when I left my dad's house at 13 years old. So, Wait, you were on probation for what? What would you do? Uh, I stole a car, but I did not steal it to this day. Oh, yeah. Everybody's innocent in Shawshank. We, me and a, <laughs> just real quick, you know, me, me and a guy walking with a couple of girls, knew where the stolen cars was at uh, middle school. We jumped in. It took the T-tops off. Police pulled up. They all get caught. I run. Um that's when I ended up having to move to my dad's, and he had to go to court. And he was going to court even after I moved out. He had to pay fines, go to classes, oh, do all kinds of stuff. I put them through. Yeah, I put them through it. I put my parents through it too, man. I know. But so the first, the first brush with the police, I guess, was when I was about, I was about fifteen or sixteen years old, and I was in California, and that's something got stolen out of a house or something, and. Uh, I knew if I came back to Texas, I mean, I was I, mean, I was in handcuffs, and they called my dad, and my dad, 
you know, they were like, we got your son, and, you know, he's a runaway in Texas, but he ain't nothing but a missing person in California. That's the reason I went to California. I wow. thought I knew everything. Wow. And uh, so my dad said, you know, he, uh, I, I knew he was talking to the police officer, so he looked right at me, and he says, your dad wants to know, do you want him to come get you? Are you ready to come home? I said, no. And that's all, that's all he said. You know, my dad always said he'd come get me one time, and that was it. And he was willing to pay a plane ticket, come get me, or send me home. And I wish I would have done it right there. That mm-hmm. was another one. But uh, I didn't get in really no trouble of that, but that was the first brush of police where I felt like I got away with something, you know? Yeah. And uh, I believe it was right there where I was introduced to meth in San Bernardino, California. Wow. I was driving a record at 15 years old, sleeping on a couch at a record place. You were driving a record? Man, for a record? staying okay. up for weeks, falling asleep behind the wow, wheel, cars man. on the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, it was silly. So uh, how much trouble, more trouble did you get into California, and when did you move back? No more. I ended up catching, uh, catching a ride back. I told my mom I was real homesick, and I was strung out there to the point that I just didn't really care no more. I just wanted to come home and be with my mom. And and my mom was always there. She was a crutch for me. I could always go to her house, you know. Did, did she enable you? Enabled, yes. Loved her to death. She loved me. I, I couldn't do no wrong in her eyes. Yeah. I mean, I could – Go push the Pope over and she'd be cool with it. <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> That's my son. <laughs> the Pope probably deserved it. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Most moms are like that. Most moms are like that, you know, until, until, I mean, my mom was like that for a little bit until, like, I pushed her too far. And then she was like, forget you. I ain't bailing you out no more. So, so about the age of 19 or 20, when I got back in the loop, Pleasant Grove, um, I got caught with my. Uh, I got caught for my first three felonies. Broke in a couple pl- uh, storage building. Got caught with some meth. Uh, so it was three felonies in one. So they put me on probation five years. And believe it or not, I did that five years probation. Wow! But they dismissed it at the end. The last nine months, I didn't go report, and they dismissed it unsuccessfully. So all you guys down there know that if they dismiss it unsuccessfully, next time you're going to prison. Yeah. So uh, after that, I started picking up a little. Um, possessions you know and thefts. this is all in pleasant grove all in pleasant grove i got eight felonies out of dallas Ooh. and uh they kept slapping me on the wrist they kept giving me six months one year six months one year two years was my worst sentence and it was that ninth felony in ellis county when i went from pleasant grove to palmer texas and got caught selling to an undercover cop that they gave me 18 years they started they started at 20 no they started at 15 i said no they said okay we'll go up to 20 it took me months to get them down to 18, so I had to sign and go with it. Wow. Wow. And that was one thing. They always said, you know, the next one, the next one was the big one, 25 to life. There ain't no doubt yeah. about it. They were they're writing paragraphs and yeah. enhancing everything. So meth was your, you said, in the next 25 years. I mean, how, how come on. I mean, you hear people all the time just, you know, why don't they just stop? Right. Uh, is Is it that easy to just stop and... And why couldn't you stop? And and uh, what what did it do to your life? Well, it it totally disconnected me from life itself. I mean, there was there was times that I quit here and there, but really that was just going to prison, getting cleaned up, seeing how long I could last when I got out. And once I was back on it, it was just a way of life. The only thing I knew from the age of thirteen was how to take care of myself, how to sell drugs, how to do drugs. Uh, but how it re- what I really lost in the all that was when I was about 23 years, 22 years old. I had two kids, and uh, 
it really it dislocated me from everything. First couple of years was okay. She put up with me until she found out, you know, the truth behind it all. She thought I could change for them. I thought I could change for them. It was I couldn't change for my mother, my father, myself. I couldn't change for nobody. That, that wasn't in the cards. The only one I've ever been a change for is God Almighty. Amen. And he's helped me. But, um, and, you know, it tore me away from them. You know, for the last 15 years, I haven't been any part of their life. You know, I didn't get to watch them grow up. <clears throat> Since then, you know, nowadays, you know, we're talking. I'm going to go see them this weekend. Yeah. Both of them. I remember when I think, I can't remember, you were still at the house, I believe, when you got to first reconnect with uh, both of them. Yeah. 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 One at a time. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. And didn't one of them get married or have a baby or something? Since one of them been got out? married a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. And then. And oh, then, they've all had babies. I yeah. got six grandbabies, three daughters by each one. But one of them was just recent, huh? Uh, Has it been a recent one? It's been a little while. Has it? All right. Yeah. Well, she's already two years old. Well, that's what I mean by recent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recent. Is that the only one that's since you've been out? No. I've had two grandbabies since, since I've been, been out. out. Okay. Yeah, one all each right. from each of them. Okay. Two, no, two by Bubba and one by Tyler. Right. So three grandbabies. What do they think about their dad now? I'm still not back in their life like I need to be. We're, we're, we're miles and miles apart. They live out in Cattle Mills, and um, I can only imagine what, what they think of me, you yeah. know. Uh, I don't think they're – I mean, they they probably don't think what they used to think. <laughs> yes, because... no, most definitely. You know, <laughs> they, I, I can actually call them on the phone and have a decent conversation with yeah. them. At times, you know, there was times I pulled up over there. They were throwing rocks at me to get me away. I mean, it was pretty wow. bad. But, yeah, uh, it's there. I can work on it. Yeah. God willing, I'll get still, still on growing it. still. Yeah. Time heals uh, everything. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So uh, how important has, like, when you came out and you went to Forgiven Felons, uh, we we have a program, a recovery program that's a part of Forgiven Felons. How important was that 12 month? It was about 12 months, right? Yes, sir. About almost a year a little long? Bit, it was actually a little bit over. Over? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how much did you engage in that program? I know you graduated and you went all through everything. Mm-hmm. How much did you engage in it? How much did it really solidify the fact that you're never going back to your old addiction? Regeneration at Watermark Church in Dallas. Uh, it's awesome. I can't say I gave them 100%. Because there was at a time that I wanted to go back through it uh, for some other issues. Um, it's just hard to hit every issue and work on them the <laughs> when way you they have so many. That you when have you to work on. when you got so many, they want you to you know spill it all, <laughs> write it all down. You know, uh, make like, can't we dollars. just take one yeah. at a time? Well, I mean, that's took way more than one. But like I say, I only probably about 85 percent. But it was enough for me to know that you know the there there's redemption. There's there's things, there's processes you can do to uh, to better yourself. There's people you can surround yourself that'll make you better daily, and not only there at forgiven felons, but at regeneration. I had a group of men that really cared about me, asked me about everything every day, and we shared with each other week by week. And I'd ride the bus from there to regeneration that one year, and I'd ride it from there home sometimes. Uh, that was before you started taking us and yeah. picking us up. Yeah, but uh, regeneration was a blessing. If somebody's out there struggling with meth, you know, I know fentanyl and opioids are the are all the rage now, but there's still plenty of people out there strung out on meth. What would you say to somebody, even a family, who maybe has given up on their child who's a meth head, meth addict? 
um, what would you say to encourage that person, maybe that's strung out and maybe the family that is, is waiting for redemption? Yeah, they, to they always say pictures are worth a thousand words. I wish I could take my, my life and just flip photos all the way through it, and it would be self-explanatory. But when it comes down to words, you know, that's one thing that I try to do now. I mean, we've been limited for the pandemic and everything. We ain't been able to go into prison. I usually like to try to hit them youngsters, 25 years or younger, yeah. picking up their first couple of felonies. It's not the kind of life you want to live. It's not kind of – you don't want to waste everything like I did and have to start all over and do it all. Yeah, yeah things are great now, but I took the long way around. I took the long way around, and I missed out on a lot of life. And that's all they're doing. They're just wasting time. Things might be great, and it, that stuff makes you feel so good at times. I mean, I say it makes you feel good because that's the way you feel when you're on it. You know, you, you're, you're Superman. You feel like you can't do no wrong. But deep down inside, you're tearing everybody and everything apart all around you, inside you, outside of you, everywhere. I remember we were at a house manager meeting one time at a Taco Cabana over there off of uh, 635 in the Ball Springs area. We were We went outside. And you just kind of looked down the street and you, you paused. And I, I could tell you were like and thought about something. And you said, this is the first time I've been, I've been in this area on this street sober. <laughs> I think you'd, you'd worked for a, there was a mechanic shop or something or a yeah, warehouse or right. something. You worked at right down the street and you told about a time where I guess were y'all, were y'all running drugs out of there or something? Late, late June 635. Yeah. Like Pe- June, pe- people from that area know what you're talking about. <laughs> believe me. Uh, you know, were you a functional addict? I mean, did you do it all the time? You talk about you dealt it as well. Were you a user only, a, a dealer only? Were you both a lot of the times? How? how be, much? be honest with you, I did drugs intravenously. You know, for her, for her about 20 years, uh, and I was a non-functioning addict. I lived for the next uh, uh, when so when I quit. I made my mom a promise that I quit that and start doing better. So I quit shooting drugs, started smoking drugs. It don't make no sense to most of y'all, but you drug addicts will understand. <laughs> I was able to start putting stuff back together again, you yeah, know, yeah. not my life, but you know what I mean? I wasn't tearing things up. So at that point I came a non-functioning drug addict to a functioning drug addict. I was able to start, you know, holding down a little bit of a job from time to time. But when you're non-functioning, you're not getting up going to work. You're not doing anything. Okay. I, somebody's sitting in there now, like you said, the, I mean, one of the reasons this podcast started was because they shut us out, you know, COVID shut us out of the prisons. And so we couldn't, we couldn't go back in and you had been in at least once with us, right? Three the times. Win unit. And then I think you went in with the Hughes unit two or three and times. then I think another one. And, and man, just to watch you go at it, talking to these guys, man, was just uh, encouraging, you know? And, um, how much do you miss that? And um, we're, we're, they're starting to let us back in. I've got I've, I've got lined up to go. How much do you miss that? But then also, uh, this podcast is being heard in jails and prisons all all across the nation. We're getting letters from Arizona, Alabama, Florida. People are listening to it, so people are going to hear your story. Mm-hmm. So, what encouragement can you give somebody sitting in county jail? You know, somebody called or somebody wrote in that they were in county jail on a DWI charge uh, and they heard safe at home a few episodes back where the drunk driver killed this guy's son. And he said, he said, because of that episode, now he's got hope for the journey into prison and beyond. What, what can you offer somebody that's listening 
you know, that maybe has done the same thing you've done, been down the same road on their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, even sixth time. What speak directly to them and, and give them some hope. Well, um, a lot of people would go and, and talk about what they've been through and how hard it was and all you have to go through. But I'm just here nowadays to, to let the youngsters know, not just the youngster. I touch a lot of people in Texas right now. There's at least one person on every unit, every county jail that probably seen my face, seen me down there, and don't believe that I'm sitting here today doing this. Uh, now, for all the people out of the other state, the same thing goes for you. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, it gives me chills how far you can go when you put your mind to it and you have God beside yourself. We walk, I walk, I walk with him every day. I talk to him all my quiet time. I accomplish so much. Um, I just, I keep getting amazed and it's not about me. It's about me showing you that, Hey, there is hope out here because a lot of y'all just think y'all can get out here and do it all over again. You're not getting away with nothing. All you're going to do is do a little bit more street time. And you're going to go back in there. And next time it's going to be for a long time. Your parents love you. Your kids love you. You know, there's never a wrong time. I mean, it's never too late. It's never too late. And I know you always hear that from other people. But when I, you know, I, I got, I, I, I've been clean and sober. I'm working on my ninth year. Congratulations. And, uh, yes. And it keeps getting better with time. You know, the first couple of years was hard. Even in, even in prison when you're offered drugs and stuff, it's easy to get them. It's easy to say, yeah. So if you can whoop it in there and say no in there, you got a better chance coming out here. And I was able to do that, so I knew I had my foot going in the right direction, you know, when I stepped out. But um, just some youngster, just being open-minded to somebody that's been in my, my shoes and done the things I can, you connect on a level where you can start communicating with them. And that's when you can open up and talk about it. It's hard to just reach out and, hey, I'm going to tell the whole world this, and they're going to listen. But I like going in there. I like being in person. I'm ready to go back with you. Mike Barber. Jed and Gun, we do it, you know, and we go in there and we talk to them. Uh, we love on them. We tell them, you know, we ain't the only ones that love them, you know. It's all about Jesus, all about living right, you know, and uh, you can do it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a living example. Amen, amen. Well, let's talk about the documentary before we go, the Forgiven Fells documentary. You were at the house whenever they wanted to do the story, and uh, I submitted kind of the summary of your story to Rob Price. I had to submit all the ones that I thought – and tell them the stories, and then and then he went and interviewed everybody himself, and and uh, and and I told him I said, man, you gotta you gotta have Shannon. Shannon's, Shannon's a good story. So you've seen the documentary, um, and and you got to meet Sting because of the documentary. Tell us what it was like to meet Sting. You know, I grew up watching him. It was awesome. I can't I can't tell you how it was awesome. Uh, even him coming to the house and you know doing his little skits with us and everything. Uh, he's he's one of us, man. He's one of us. He did, and he did the flying toehold on the you. The flying toehold. Check it out. You can Google it. I'll put that on the show page so everybody can see it. Yeah, yeah. He, he got me on that one. But, uh, yeah, he's an amazing man. He's been down the same road. He just didn't get caught. Yeah, know? so for those of you who don't know, the documentary that is out there for us uh, is on Roku TV and Tubi TV and soon to be on a movie channel on YouTube uh, and eventually it's going to be, we're trying to get it uploaded to, to all the, the tablets where y'all are here in the podcast right now too, but it's hosted by sting sting walks us through There's six of us, seven of us. And he, and he kind of just does walk and talks with us and walks us through our journey and of who we used to be, who we are now. And, and, uh, you know, and he does share his own story, you know, of, of, of redemption in his own life. And so 
So that was pretty cool. So uh, what was that like, man? Were you nervous for the documentary? Uh, about as nervous as I was doing this podcast. You know, you get behind <laughs> these microphones and these lights and stuff, and things are different. But uh, it really touched some people. To go to the documentary showing at our church, and um, we showed it some, no, both times at the church, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just to see the look on people's face, the reaction. No, you're really, you're really doing it. it. It ain't just a show. This is really what's taking place. And Rob Price and all them kids at Sagu, God bless them. They did an awesome job. They did. I mean, they, they, really they came to the house. They got to know us. I mean, they wanted to ride the dart bus with me. <laughs> <laughs> and that never happened. But, you know, they, they were willing to get on the bus with me. And uh, Rob Price, to this day, he'll come up to me at church, man, and it's like, he, he's got the love, man. He, yeah. he, he's, he's awesome. Now, he was the one that gave you the car. But now we know you have a new truck. So what did you do when when you got the when you bought the new truck? What did you do with the car? Well, I, first I talked to you about it, and uh, I'd already made up my mind I was going to pay it forward. I was just going to give it back to forgiven felons, and you, you, you know it's pretty much what we did. And we gave it to the next guy. You know, Chris Ramirez now drives it because he he asked you. Uh, he was asking you to buy it from you hey, when you when you when you called me up. You said, "Hey, Chris wants to buy this car from me." And I'm like, oh, really? And, uh, and so we just were like, well, no, we're not going to let him buy it. We're just going to give it to him. Right. So we came up with this whole plan that, you know, we, we weren't going to allow him to buy it from you. And he was all, oh, yeah. he, he all kind of like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, nope, Shannon said he's going to give it back to the ministry or, or donate it to the ministry. And so we're just going to donate it to you, Chris. And, uh, and him being a mechanic that, you know, that, you know, because, I mean, it was giving you some problems there at the end. Yeah. Um, but he's, he had that thing working like a gym, but it finally gave out on him. Did it? Yeah, it finally, he finally he got something it. new, and uh, the thing was leaking all kinds of oil. On I had 300-plus <laughs> thousand miles on it. You so, can only bless so many people with one vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Shannon, man, um, what, are, what are your plans for the future, man? My future is uh, just continue doing what I'm doing, push myself a little bit forward, get into the Word, get into church, get into um, – Get into serving more. I fell out of that since I moved out of Forgiven Felons about eight months ago, and I missed that. Whether it's a church or down the street at the food pantry or anything, I just need to give more of my time, start serving a little bit more, and start feeling a little bit better about myself. I'm working 50, 70 hours a week. It's summertime. I'm in HVAC. So, I mean, I do have excuse, but it, it's never excuse <laughs> enough. You know, you always got time for him. That's right. Amen. Well, we are proud of you. We're so thankful that your mom and dad made you go to forgiven felons. They didn't really give you much choice, but we're, we're, we're glad you decided to, to go with that choice. Um, mine and Jessamy and my family's lives have lives have been enriched because of you. We've loved watching you grow. We enjoy watching you have all the success you have. Uh, our kids, our kids, uh, publicly say that you're their favorite forgiven felon. Awesome. So, that. so, you know, you've made an imprint on our lives. You've made an imprint on, uh, hundreds of lives, uh, th that you've touched since you've been out and we're, we're so proud of you. And we know that God's got big plans for you, uh, in the future, whether it's ministry, whether it's working, whether it's whatever it is, we know that, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna continue to grind spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and just keep putting your best foot forward. Um, let me ask you a question. If they were to make a movie just about your life, who, what actor would you want to play you? George Clooney. George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right. We'd have to turn his character around a little bit. I don't know why. <laughs> that is great. I love asking people that question. I, yeah. I don't know. It just throws them off. Right? Yeah, they're like, I don't know. I would, I would like to give a uh, special shout out to you and Jesme for giving me this opportunity to better myself and and what y'all have taught me through the forgiving felons and outside of forgiving felons. It's not only that place. You still reach out to all them guys, man. You're you're one of a kind. I love you. I thank you, you and your wife. And uh, couldn't have done it without you, bro. Well, that's what we're here for. And uh, I'm glad that you came on to share your story because your, your story is an amazing story. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, your parents didn't give up on you. You got to forgive them felons. You wanted to be a leader. You didn't qualify. We didn't give up on you, though. We kept telling you this is what you need to do. And you kept pushing. There's a lot of hard work that an, an individual has to put into growing. And you are one of the top five people out of the several hundred we've tried to help. You are one of the top five people as far as making sure you do the work. You put in the effort. Thank you. And, and I appreciate that about you. And it's obvious wherever you go, wherever you've worked, they all love you. In fact, I think one of your old HVAC jobs is trying to get you to come back. Right. You know, I know, you know, Hector's great and you love him. You just, you do the work. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people just sit back and let all the people in their lives that love them, give them handouts. All right. Can't do it. And, but you are an incredible person. Thank you. And I know God's got big plans for you, man. All right. I love you. Thank you for coming on. Love you too, bro. Thanks for letting us dig into your background. Thank y'all. Man, I can't thank Shannon enough for having the, the bravery to just come on. You know, he gets nervous when he has to speak or in front of a mic or whatever. And he always indulges me. He always indulges me to be able to share what God's done in his life. So thank you again, Shannon. Uh, you know, man, one of the main highlights I want to I want you to take away from from this is he couldn't change for anybody but God. You know, we we try to change for ourselves, even ourselves. You know, we try to change for a, a family member. We try to change for our kids. We try to change for you know, and listen, one of the hardest people to lead in our lives is ourself. And yes, we want to do things to take care of ourselves. And we want to make sure we're taking care of ourselves so we can help take care of others. But man, if you're not doing it for, for a higher reason, you know, uh, that, that the reason you're going to do it, you're going to, you're going to get sidetracked pretty quickly if all you're doing it for is yourself or for a family member or for a friend or, you know, if you're doing it for any other reason outside of doing it for God, you know, it's going to, it's going to eventually unwind. And so, I, man, if you're not a Christian, man, uh, I'm telling you, I, I tried this life with and without God. And it's just been incredibly different, incredibly favorable, incredibly abundant doing it with God and for God, everything I do. And when I try to do things by myself or for myself, whether it's even just in word or deed, doing something, uh, it, my life gets sidetracked. Shannon uh, is incredible, though. I, I said it in there, and, and I meant it. He, he, his discipline, his hard work, his ethic, his work ethic, is unparalleled to, to almost anybody that's ever come through forgiven felons. 
he's just he's he's truly incredible. And as you heard through the story, you know, one of his uh, one of his favorite songs was "Turn the Page," Bob Seger. And and he even mentioned about you know if life was a book, you could just flip through all the pages, you know, of his of his life. And but I like how he decided, okay, it's time to turn the page. And he had the conversation with God. And you can do that wherever you are. You can do it in a cell. You can do it in the car where you're working out. Wherever you are right now, if if you know it's time to turn the page you can have a conversation with God and he will listen. And when you're ready to listen to him, he will speak. And I know that for a fact, because I had that same, that same turn the page moment when I was in prison in administrative segregation, solitary confinement. I had that same conversation with God and that same turn the page moment. And wherever you are in life, whatever rock bottom you think you're at, believe me, you can dig deeper and, and, and go, further into a, a deeper rock bottom. Stop digging. Turn the page. Turn the have a conversation. Like Shannon did. Say, look here, God. <laughs> I love he 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 always says, look here. Uh but but listen, he came from a zip code that is top three in Texas with the highest recidivism rate. And he went back six times. He has six TDC numbers. And again, like I said, man, there's there's people in our society that don't believe that you can you can recover and that you can change after some of them, not even after one. But most people believe in a second chance. But boy, you screw that one up, you know, there ain't no third, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth chances. You know, they're they're just not. And he proved all of those people wrong. And and again, it's because his commitment to a relationship with God and his his grind. His, his ethic, his work ethic is this is going to happen no matter what, and he's going to do whatever he can to make sure it does. And, um, you know, he had some parents that didn't give up on him, and, and he's in the process of rebuilding relationships with his, with his children. And he's doing great, you know, and God doesn't love Shannon any more than he loves me and any more than he loves you. So you, uh, you can do this. If you're out there listening, you can do this, you know. Listen, take take Shannon's words. So um, thanks again for listening. Shannon's story is amazing. S- spread the word. Share this podcast with somebody that you think might need to hear it. You know, and again, I used to tell everybody to leave us a review on Apple. I don't even care anymore. If you want to and you have an Apple phone, leave us a review. But the main thing is share this with somebody that needs to hear it. Share it with a family member who has a a loved one in addiction or share it with the person that's in addiction. You never know, but uh, today could be the day that they turn it around, that they have that conversation with God. So let's, let's lift Shannon up in prayer and freedom, heating and air. Uh, Hector, Hector's a forgiven felon himself. And uh, he does so well walking in his freedom that he named his, his business after his freedom. That's pretty cool. Um, but you know, Shannon, Shannon was given a chance by Hector and we, we, we want to lift freedom, uh, heating and air up as well. Let's pray. Father in Jesus name, we thank you for Shannon. We thank you for the work you're doing, have done, doing, and are going to do in Shannon's life. We thank you for the lives that he has touched through your grace and your mercy and your testimony in his life. And we thank you for the many more of the doors that are going to open. Lord, we thank you for Shannon and, and we ask you to just, uh, rain down abundance on everything he does, Lord, on everything he does, whether it's the place he works, the th- the vehicles he drives, the people he meets, 
uh, whatever he does, we ask you to allow him to thrive more now than ever before and give him the strength to, to carry on and to share your, your story of grace and mercy through his life with everybody he meets. Give him everything he needs in this next chapter of his life, Lord. And we lift up freedom, heating, and air, the place that he works. We ask you to, uh, to protect those guys, keep them cool during this, these hot winter month, or hot summer months. Um, give them everything they need to perform their job. Let freedom, heating, and air thrive and, be, and, and have an abundant rest of the year. And uh, thank you for companies like Freedom, God, who gives, who gives chances to guys like Shannon and all of us. And uh, Lord, I, I lift up the listeners to you right now, the people that are listening to this podcast. I pray that, that you draw them to you so that they can have a conversation with you that, that challenges them to take a look at themselves but ask you for help to make that change. And uh, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for the platform that you've given me. And uh, we just ask you to help us keep going, Lord. Help us keep going. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We will see y'all next week. And uh, y'all have a good week. Be blessed. And don't let your background hold you back. Make it pay you back. See you later. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast. Brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.